Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Monetization Masters podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gallett. Thanks for joining me today. I encourage you to follow the podcast on your platform of choice. As you know, the idea behind the podcast is to meet people who are thought leaders and practitioners in the growing and influential monetization space and to give them a platform to share their quick thoughts or ideas. If you're interested in joining me as a guest, feel free to reach out to me directly at jeff.g at monetize360.io. That's G-E-O-F-F dot G at monetize360.io. Please join me in welcoming our next guest, a true practitioner and strategist on all topics monetization, Manoj Roy. Manoj has had a lengthy career in IT services and banking, where he has built multiple enterprise systems and led major transformation efforts, including at Bank of New York Mellon, where he led the global source-to-pay operations and also was executive director of finance solutions and operations. Manoj is so insightful we could never fit everything into a single short episode. So this is the first of a series of conversations. I hope you'll enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed talking with him. Manoj, welcome to the Monetization Masters podcast. Really glad you're here with me today. I'm happy to be here, Jeff. Um, I think we have some really cool content. We've had some pre-discussion about some of the things we want to talk about here. Um, I would love for you to start us off by giving people a sense of who you are, your background, and and where you've been, what you've done, because I think it's a great precursor to give some context around the conversation we're going to have. Oh, gosh. Um, so I, I I really, the way I describe I really had three careers in my life. I, I, um, by education and training, I'm a computer science engineer, uh, did my engineering in uh, India. And, uh, and early on in my life, the first 15 years of my career, I defined as, uh, so I, I used to, coming out of engineering computer science, the coder. So I used to code, write programs. And it was early 90s, um, that time, COBOL, Pascal, and things like that. And then um, I moved to the U.S. in 93. The first four years of my career was with the largest automobile manufacturer in India, Maruti Suzuki. Now it's called Suzuki Maruti. And, and um, so I worked in their uh, uh, computer department where uh, it was the automation of the whole supply chain, right from sourcing of materials to production planning to after sales. So it was a really good experience there. Then I came here and... Uh, I continued the coding work. And the company I worked for went public in um, 96. And so they, they just, they, it is a professional services automation company and they decided to bring me into their corporate office to run a business, so which is uh, um, kind of selling ERP services. So that is how I got involved in late 90s with a lot of ERP. And not only the solution and delivery of those uh, ERP, PeopleSoft, SAP, or at different client sites. But eventually, I morphed into pre-sales and sales business development and such. And uh, and in 2006, I went back to school for uh, my MBA. And that's where I met the gentleman, which I then, the second phase of my career started with, the, uh, we started an equity research firm writing about um, special situations and selling it to the hedge funds. So, so this was like a, um, bankruptcies. I mean, when companies file for bankruptcy, they, they disappear from 
the whole analyst coverage and such. And so we used to provide detailed progress on bankruptcy. There are distressed investors who are interested in the credit side of things and 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 so on. So so we did that, and we then created more products such as um, spinoffs and um, stock buybacks. How they impact. So we had three products of bankruptcy spinoff, and we did well. I mean, six years we did. Last couple of years, I actually ventured out and started my own hedge fund. And uh, and uh, two years into it, uh, I've decided to move on and. Uh, it was uh, too much on my stress and health and spending 16, 18 hours a day. So, so I decided to discontinue that and come back to my uh, third phase of my life, my career, which is I joined BNY Mellon in 2012. And I worked in the CFO organization for 11 years, um, kind of helping CFO organizations from the complete technology and process perspective. So 11 years at uh, BNY Mellon, uh, primarily all the finance and accounting systems. And again, back to those ERP, also um, also got exposure to the, the deposit models and fund transfer pricing and such. So, so it's a, it's a, so last 11 years I've been with uh, uh, BNY Mellon for the CFO finance. So it's interesting. The um, it's it's an interesting. I think you bring interesting perspective to this whole monetization space on three levels, just as you described. You know, first there's that whole idea of deeply understand computer systems, obviously, down to the code level. But you also understand the way that a supply chain and the way the entire ERP, MRP accounting flow happens. But then there's that third perspective, is just viewing it through the prism of a financial executive mm-hmm. and through the financial services view mm-hmm. as opposed to the other side where we, you know, a lot of the people that I talk to are more product focused. They're the people who are focused on what is the data we collect? How do we collect it? How are we going to turn it into something as an asset? And I think that your view is a little bit different, which is, well, once you have those assets, how do we actually turn them into something that's financially valuable? So that's my, that's my almost 30, 30 years of career. Yeah. Wow. it's great. So we were talking offline about the idea, and I think it's a really interesting concept of prior um, guests that we've had on the podcast, Andrew Daly from MGI Research and Megan Burns, who's a former analyst at Forrester Research and has her own customer experience um, practice. They both talked about the concept of the impact of billing on the customer experience. And they talked about the fact that billing is such a, it's such a emotional process for people. It's something that people, you know, that I think Megan made the comment in her episode that um, a great bill has never gained anybody a customer, but a bad bill can lose somebody a customer, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, has a big impact there. And then when you and I were talking and you brought up the concept of trust, Megan talked about trust being so important as part of loyalty but I think that you, you in, in our conversation, you had a, a broader view of trust and a real def- definition around trust that I would love for you to share with the listeners. The last um, last 14 months of my career at BNY Mellon, um, my boss, corporate controller, uh, asked me to run the accounts payable organization. It was in real mess. Um, the bills were not getting paid. It was just taking too much time where you should pay the bill 30 days, 60 days. You're paying in 120 days. Uh, services were getting disrupted. So 
So I, I, I took that whole thing uh, from a townspeople perspective uh, and, and kind of got this whole thing about why does it take so much time to process an invoice? And, and again, this is, we're talking at large scale, 200,000 plus invoices per year and multiple billions of dollars that uh, um, bank paid to your third party suppliers. So, so what I, I mean, in nutshell, what I, what I discovered was that we end up paying anywhere from 10 to $30 per invoice. You aggregate all the costs in terms of the technology cost, the operation cost, the process cost, cost of validating, the cost of ensuring your financial statement is right, cost of ensuring that uh, all your regulatory reporting, such as. And so, so I kind of started uh, thinking, why, why does it take so much, uh, so much? Uh, I mean, why organizations? And I, trust me, it's not just one. Most of the large organizations have large AP operations. This AP operation still is in like, let's in 90s, like 50% of the invoices typically come in in PDF format. And, and, and people spend too much time and energy in actually processing rather than, rather than just uh, doing analytics around it. So that's, uh, that, that's so what I'm trying to say is that this, this, to, to your point earlier, if the invoice is not submitted in a digital fashion, it creates a lot of uh, inefficiency, friction, time, and such in the whole process. And that's how the, the lack of trust originates that uh, the buyer has to then validate every aspect of what they're buying before paying. It's amazing to me. I, you, you said something there that just, I want to say, shocked me. Um, the the idea that the cost the overall loaded costs are creating an invoice of between ten to thirty dollars per invoice and then I did the math against the two hundred thousand invoices a year that's six million dollars of cost just to generate invoices I don't know how many people really think about the fact that that's the cost and then still even with that expense because so mm -hmm. much of that work I assume was done manually and required pulling information from multiple systems. There's still that trust, or that there's a potential gap in terms of trust after all that work. Correct. I mean, and, and trust me. I mean, that's uh, that's that's the cost that is embedded in making a payment, which a large organization need not incur if if the information was delivered at source with trust, which just by looking at the metadata, say, hey, we can just pay this, but that doesn't happen. And um, I mean, as I was saying, you have army of people processing invoices. I mean, again, there are some OCRs and um, AI solution in place, but they're 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 very primitive. They don't um, they do the job, but they don't run the whole mile. I mean, they run 20, 30 percent. You digitize the PDF into some metadata, but Again, there is no trust in that process. People have to manually look at it, validate it, and, and such, and before you, before you pay for it, before you pay it. So, so yeah, I mean, that's the that's that's so much cost is embedded in this whole process. How much of that is because of system capabilities? How much of it is just because of 
we've always done it this way, so we're going to keep doing it this way, just embedded methodology. And how much of it is because of data dependencies on third parties and other suppliers and people to actually make sense of the data that you can put into an invoice? So that, that's a good question, Jeff. Um, um, interestingly, the organization do invest in technology. I mean, like ERP. And I think in, in large banks where you buy um, use-based services, such as um, a large financial institution would buy market data. So, so market data is uh, as in when you use data from ICE and by SC, other, other exchanges, you pay for it. But again, you don't trust that the data that is coming in, you create secondary platforms. So, so, so these are additional layer of cost. They do, they do invest in technology, but they don't, they don't serve the end-to-end -end purpose. They just add another layer of cost to bring that trust into the system. I personally feel that uh, the primary reason for this uh, is the suppliers, I mean, through the lens of the billing system, when they are when they are providing the generating the invoices, there has to be a disruption and transformation there that they they submit a set of information along with the invoice that the buyer can trust, and that is how this whole layer of inefficiency, I believe, can be eliminated. And if you're looking into the future, smart contract is one use case and solution, but that's too disruptive for large organizations. I mean, you will have to really revisit and approve the whole backend infrastructure to adopt such technology. So it, those can be adopted in incremental fashion for new businesses, but for legacy businesses, that's, that's, a, that's a challenge. But that's where the would look into that direction and, and take an incremental approach, something in, between what we have today, like a physical PDF invoice with not really smart contract, but something in the middle, that would work. So, so have a common shared contract um, template, which both bilaterally, both parties can um, can trust. I mean, if, if, you, if you think of it, like as, as part of the buying process, when the two parties come together, they negotiate, sign a contract. You sign a contract through DocuSign, you digitize the contract. But when you take those contracts back to their organization, the sourcing side has one interpretation of it, has one level of maturity, may or may not transform that contract into metadata. The customer side, in this case, the seller side, will take the same contract, same underlying document in its own platform. So as we were discussing, this one single source of truth, which is a legal document, then gets split into when the technology comes in into two different systems and becomes two different set of truths. And that's when this whole thing of gap in trust originates. So, so that's, that's, uh, that, that's what I'm talking about. If, if, if there is a solution, which is not very disruptive, not very capital intensive, uh, can be brought in where both parties can trust. Then this whole downstream process of AP can be streamlined. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Monetization Masters. 
Your feedback is always welcomed, as are your shares and, of course, your reviews of the podcast. Please follow and review Monetization Masters on your platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We'll talk to you next time.